I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins. And you're listening to Biz Talks, a weekly conversation with local business leaders about topics affecting New Orleans and Southeast Louisiana. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Rich Collins. Today's guest is EJ Lagasse, chef patron at Emerald's Restaurant in the Warehouse District. After closing this summer for a major three-month renovation and redesign, the restaurant is now reopened with a new look and new format. And of course, Emerald's has the next generation of Lagasse's at the helm. EJ Lagasse, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks so much, Rich, for having me. Knowing that you have a lot on your plate, and yes, pun intended, I'm going to keep this conversation to an efficient dozen questions with a tiny bit of land yet. So first, can you tell us all about the new emeralds, what prompted this renovation and redesign? It comes from, I think, a long-standing idea of what my dad wanted to do with Emeralds since it opened in terms of wanting to be a great white tablecloth restaurant for the city of New Orleans. And that it's continued on certainly through to today. There was a lot of, of thought that went into, you know, is there is there some stuff that we can do collectively to breathe a little bit of fresh air, some fresh ideas into Emeralds and go from there. So that was the starting point, really. And then it you know became an entire renovation. From that. From a business standpoint and from a creative standpoint, why is the concept of a tasting menu important? Well, like when I'm eating out in a restaurant, it's a tasting menu. I I I like being able to let people that are very skilled individuals really take the reins of it. That's why I like eating like that. I like letting people express their creativity and things like that through it. And so that that's fun for myself and the team because we get to really have, you know, a, a, a lot of fun with it, obviously. And then um, a lot of people try things that they maybe wouldn't try on a normal basis through the tasting menu, whether that be, um, you know, something they haven't experienced before, something they, they thought they didn't like, you know, previously, and then they have a different preparation of and that and it maybe changes their their mind with that. Um, and I mean, I guess from a business point of view, it's a very interesting model because, um, you know, you do less covers. We do way less people for dinner than we used to. The night before we closed for COVID, there was like 420 people that ate at Emeralds that evening. And last night, for instance, we did 56 people wow. for dinner. So there's, I mean, there's a stark difference between the two numbers there, obviously, but what you have is you have people that are spending three to four times longer at the table, um, you know, when, when they are sat there um, for that, for the tasting menu. It's an extended experience. Um, and, you know, obviously the, 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 the price of dinner has gone up because it's a much larger menu. There's more food in it than a starter in a main course. And all the costs have to be reflected in it, which really is the most expensive thing to us, you know, I mean, the labor has been um, something that a lot of people in the restaurant business are looking at right now. And, and 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 yes, obviously, we're still looking at that, and we pay extremely well wages to our to our employees. But uh, and our benefits are fantastic. But the sourcing is the most expensive part of this endeavor at this moment. Um, I'll give you an example: we're having these quails raised for us in. Poplarville, Mississippi, by the Snelling family, and they've become very good friends. You know, they're worried about how much they're going to charge us per bird or something like that. And I tell them, look, this is an art form, what you guys are doing, this bird. So I'm willing to take on that cost of getting one, what I know is some of the best quail in the Southeast, bar none. My guests get to enjoy that quail. Um, And then two, when you're using products that are that incredible from the region, you don't, I don't have to do a lot to them. I roast them. I carve it off the bone and it's done. Like um, so, I'm willing to take on that extra expense from a business standpoint 
um, to provide a high level experience through the quality of the food. That's the that's the biggest thing uh, that's that I'll underline in, in, in that regard. You said that it's important that you work with local farmers and fishermen, food producers. Can you talk a little bit more about that historically at Emeralds and now as it's evolving? Sure. I mean, look, I mean, we've always used as fresh as possible uh, anything from the Gulf South region. And you don't have to use just everything from Louisiana. Obviously, when it comes to the shellfish and seafood, that's about the easiest thing in the world because it's the best out there. But when it comes to the produce, you know, there's some small farms that have started uh, in the last few years that have been fantastic. Um, and then there's farms that have been around for quite some time that have become sort of bigger farms that have taken on other small farms underneath them um, in the area. And so there's always been an importance on that here at Emeralds. I mean, there's a chapter in the New New Orleans cookbook that came out in 91 or 92 uh, where my dad is talking about finding um, and going out and, and finding the best stuff around. And there's pictures of him, you know, out out, out in West Louisiana and, and, and Northeast Louisiana, looking at all of these different uh, things and who has the best, you know, cabbage and who has the best t- tomatoes and who has the best uh, citrus. I mean, right now we're in citrus season. So Isabel Farm and Grill is giving us the most unbelievable uh, citrus you could even imagine. And it's scattered throughout the whole menu there's it's obviously heavy on the dessert side of things but it's in it's in almost everything so it's of great importance to use what is available here in the now um from louisiana from texas um from georgia from alabama really that gulf south region it's underutilized because there aren't the same number of restaurants there are in say new york city or boston or or something like this on the east coast or san francisco or napa or whatever you have on the west coast and so there's not as many restaurants so i i think that a lot of stuff in the South is underutilized in that ability. And I know that there's a lot of other chefs in the city and other restaurateurs in the city that are using, um, you know, it, it to their full advantage. And, and, and by it, I mean the, the overarching thing of, of using Louisiana produce and that great Gulf South stuff. I have a friend with a kumquat tree in his front yard by his steps, and he sells the kumquats yeah. every year to, to the neighborhood restaurant down the street. So it's pretty, As it should. I mean, that's a that's remarkable for him. That's fun for him, and that's remarkable for the restaurant. They get to yeah. use the most fresh, amazing, grown down the street kumquats. Yeah. I, I've got some fun kumquats right now, and that we've just turned into a marmalade. We're using it in our on our on our cheese program, um, and we're having a blast with it. I, I adore kumquats, and um, you know, I, I good on good on your friend for doing that. I mean, that's that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the restaurant has two distinct spaces. Can you explain how diners should be using each one? Yeah. So, look, I mean, Emeralds um, is is where you enter, as you have for the last 33 years, on Chapatula Street. And you'll notice when you go to the right now, I mean, that is that is Emeralds. It's 13 tables. It's a smaller number of tables. It's a smaller room. Uh, when we did the renovation, we brought it in a little bit more. Um, but... That is really, you know, you're going to come, you're going to have an extended experience. It's going to be um, a few hours long um, and, and you're going to be, you know, in the, in the care of, of, of a really strong dining room team that are doing a great job. Um, and uh, the, the team in the, in the, in the kitchen um, cooking and demonstrating some new techniques and things like that in, in this sort of multi-course format, which allows you to try a lot of different things that are either based on, classic emeralds dishes with the classics menu or which are uh, completely uh, rooted in the produce of which we were just speaking of um, on the seasonal menu side of things. Um, 
and wine pairings available from the fantastic wine cellar that has, has, has been here um, at Emeralds for a number of years and, and table things and things done um, that are a little bit out of the uh, norm, I would say, in terms of the tasting menu format. I think we've added our own little spin on a couple of different things there. And there's, you know, canopy courses in the beginning that aren't listed on the menu or anything like that. And so, I mean, all in all, it probably becomes about 12 to 13 courses uh, by the end of it. Um, but it's really only listed as seven because I try not to reveal all the fun uh, that we have and all the secrets, you know, if you will. But then on the on the wine bar side of things, which you enter from um, the, the the Julia Street entrance, which has never been the case um, in the restaurant. It was always sort of just like an emergency door. So on the wine bar side now, you know, it's 44-ish seats. Um, it's open later than Emeralds is. And it's small plates that are on a constant rotation. It's chef's day off type of stuff. It's what I uh, want to eat on my day off. It's what my team wants to eat on, on our day off. Um, so much so that we're bummed that the restaurant's closed two days a week. And that's our, that happens to be our days off. Otherwise, we'd probably be having a snack there. But, you know, I want it to be approachable. I want people to be able to walk in, not worry about a reservation like they would have to when it comes to emeralds. And I want people to just come in and hang out, listen to the playlist and, 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 you know, drink some wine or have some snacks and things like that. And I, I mean, you know, it's a substantial menu. It's probably 17 to 20 items on the menu. Um, and so I encourage, you know, probably reservations for larger groups, six people or something like that. I would encourage reservations for, but I want it to become a space that because of the hours of it and things like that, you know, people like yourself or whomever is downtown, um, at the time, could be walking around and go, oh, you know, let's go in and have a glass of wine and 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 call it shut for the evening, you know? Understood. Talking about the menu, can you tell us about one classic dish that maybe you have preserved exactly as it always has been and something that you've reinvented or something that's new and exciting? Um, on the on the tasting menu, I mean, it, it, there there is nothing probably that is in the exact same space or stage as it was um, when either the restaurant opened or when we closed for um, renovation. Um, but I think that that is just sort of what happens in a restaurant. I don't think anything really stays the same. There's always some sort of evolution that occurs. Um, and, and, but I mean, you know, we have the, the, the first course on the classics menu is a smoked salmon cheesecake, which was the very first dish that was ever on the Emeralds menu, um, in 1990. It was the very first one my dad ever wrote down. Um, of course, there's been, you know, a gazillion different uh, versions of it since then. And everybody who's been through the restaurant has kind of put their own little spin on it. Uh, now we're doing is sort of this refined, stacked, um, um, you know, cheesecake, if you will, that on the bottom is this layer of a bavoise, a set sort of custard-like thing um, that's done with Creole cream cheese. On top of that is this set mousseline of, uh, of smoked salmon. Um, and then on top of that is just this, like, a, just a lot of caviar uh, because we have this amazing um, caviar that's done as a private for the restaurant. And so we, we wanted to, to showcase it um, and put enough on there that you get some in every bite. We're doing the barbecue shrimp as it's been done. Rosemary biscuit, barbecue shrimp, sauce on the plate, done. Um, you know, we've been doing that on the menu. It's listed as barbecue shrimp 1990 because it's the uh, original barbecue. Shrimp. So there's, there is no change maybe with that one. Uh, that might be the only one that, um, I mean, that is, we use the same recipe that is in new, new Orleans cuisine, the cookbook. I mean, literally the same one. So, um, that might be, uh, 
that that might be the only one that stayed the exact same. And what about a new menu item that you're particularly excited about? I mean, to reference the quail, I think that's easy because we just spoke about it. But to reference that quail that I'm speaking about, I got really inspired because this time of year, this what the weather starts to break. I mean, today it's absolutely freezing out, but um, the, the, the weather starts to break. I think of more hearty dishes, maybe some things with a bit of, uh, uh, as my father would say, a bit more love in them. And um, I, I, I think of uh, this this dish my grandmother used to make, which is, is called Rochelle. It's a Portuguese sort of Thanksgiving stuffing. It's done by soaking the innards of French bread in milk and cream, adding uh, onions, bell peppers, uh, garlic, um, and, and, and celery into them. And then uh, doing a little bit of, uh, of Portuguese sausage into that. So it's chorizo into that. Um, so adding that uh, through there and then baking it so that that bread then becomes almost like a bread pudding. Wow. Uh, Sounds in that good. Sense. So, <laughs> we uh, we uh, we took that stuffing, that original recipe, and turned it into um, a, a farce or a stuffing for the quail. So we stuffed the leg of the quail with that, um, and then just served the carved quail breast off the crown. Um, and then it's served with this sort of uh, grain risotto that's inspired by what the quails are eating in the field. And so we're using sort of all of that. But I really think of my grandmother when i when i when i taste that and 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 she's no longer here with us and so it's a nice memory for myself when i get to and enjoy that sort of cooking again and and it's really nice my dad was in the restaurant the other day uh for the opening and i we we gave him the quail and 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 there's a bit of a tear in his eye so it was quite nice oh wow uh, that's a beautiful so, moment yeah, it was it was fun so that's one that um on the menu right now that i'm enjoying so much that i probably won't change it when winter rolls around i try to rotate the dishes with the team. We try to go through and, and change, um, you know, the dishes for each of the seasons. But I, I, I reckon that quail will stick around uh, through the winter because it works in the cold weather. It's this sort of hearty risotto with the offal and all these things. And then the quail and the, and the leg and the sauce and all that. So that'll stick around for quite some time. But then, you know, we'll roll around in the spring and there'll be some other, some other main course that we want to have on the seasonal menu. Um, that we'll that we'll put there, but that's that's really some of the stuff I'm excited about right now. I mean, I'm excited about all of it, but, but those really stick out um, when I when I first start thinking about it. So, understood. Now, changing our focus slightly, you're obviously young, sure. but also very motivated and already have a lot of experience. What what has motivated you so much to be so focused uh, on this? When let's just say a lot of other people your age might be in the finding themselves stage of life. Sure. I, I think it's, I benefited greatly from the fact that I knew what I wanted to do very young on, uh, which not a lot of people have the privilege to be able to uh, uh, come to that sort of conclusion at a young age. So I, I feel very grateful that I was able to find what I love because I grew up in it, you know, so there was, um, and there was never any pressure. It was never ever like, you know, my dad was never like, oh, this is what you're going to do. Or you're going to go hang out at the restaurant today or anything like that. It was never like that. Um so I think it's probably that's probably the reason that I am doing what I'm doing, because I felt that if there maybe was a bit too much pressure or something like that, I probably wouldn't have done it. I think that it happened very naturally because um, it was, you know, encouraged. He would show me, you know, OK, this is how you make gumbo or whatever. He would show me. But it was never like, OK, you're home from school at you know four o'clock today and we're going to do gumbo at five. It was never like that. And I think had it been, I probably wouldn't have been interested. 
but I have an immense love for food and I have an immense love for the restaurant business. I think it's the most exciting thing um, out there. I mean, I, I, I absolutely adore what I do. I'm, I'm in, in incredibly into it. The bug bit me very early on. Um, and so, uh, and then my personality and the sort of way that I think um, is that um, I, I enjoy surrounding myself with a group of people, a group of individuals that I want to enjoy their presence, but to enjoy their creativity and their intelligence. And, and, and um, I think that I enjoy, um, you know, this sort of um, community that is a restaurant between a kitchen and a dining room team. And, you know, I, I, I can't stand the notion of, oh, well, we're the back of house team and we're the front of house team. And uh, I, I can't stand that. Um, you know, it's all one team, one dream to not be cliche, but it's one team, you know, doing it all. So um, I, I, I think running a restaurant is like running a great sports team. Um, you know, like I, I hire new managers and I give them like Bill Belichick or Sean Payton books from uh, back in the day to, to, to get them going. I made everybody watch the last dance documentary about the 1990s uh, Bulls teams um, to really get like, you know, that sort of idea. <laughs> Uh, and then I think that I also have a desire personally that is, if you're going to attempt anything in life, you should do it to the best of your ability. Speaking of growing up, how much of that did you do here? I know you've probably lived in a bunch of different places and jumped around. How, how much of a New Orleanian have you been over the last 20 years? To be, to be honest, I, I never lived in New Orleans till nearly two years ago, um, permanently. Um, there was a, a time where my family had moved back to New Orleans and then uh, Hurricane Katrina happened. Um, and, um, so we were in and out of new Orleans for quite some time out of that, uh, after that, excuse me. Um, you know, um, food network was based in New York city. Um, so there was a lot of, uh, obligations that my family had to New York, my father, of course, being on food network. So, um, there was a lot of obligation to be in New York city, but there was never, um, a loss of touch with new Orleans or what was going on in new Orleans. We were here. You know, every other weekend, my father would film, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Perhaps they weren't be, wouldn't be filming on a Friday. He would fly um, on whatever. I think it was JetBlue back in the day had the only flight from, from New York directly to New Orleans. And he would leave on a Friday night, come here, be in the restaurants for Friday, Saturday, and back in New York on a Sunday spend sort of Sunday with us and then back to filming Monday. So that was a lot of that um, when I was younger uh, and spending a lot of time here and, you know, going to Saints games and, 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 and things like that, that are just, you know, great memories and things like that. And um, so I was in New Orleans a lot and, 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 and was always here and enjoying uh, not only, you know, being and hanging around in our restaurants and eating in our restaurants, but, you know, doing the classic, you know, you know, maybe you're off to commanders for brunch on Sunday or you're, you're going out to eat here, you're going out to eat there. And so I was definitely exposed to New Orleans uh, culture, food, music, that sort of thing um, at a very young age. And we always listened to New Orleans music in the house. It was either, you know, Fats Domino or Billy Joel playing. So it was one of the two um, in the house when I was a kid. And unless mom had the stereo, then it was Led Zeppelin, massive Zeppelin fan. Speaking of your chef's day off, you mentioned that earlier. I'm curious if you're just bumming around the city. Uh, if you're going to go order a po' boy, you're going to go order some kind of junk food. What type of po' boy would you order? What, what's like your go-to fun food? I've been fried shrimp since probably about five. 
Okay. So fully dressed, no problem there. And I try to do the double dip, as myself and the team call it, which is Domelisi's and Hanson's in about 45 minutes. Oh, that's nice. the that's the that I try to I try to nail that, especially if I have people in town that I'm trying to show around. Domelisi's and Hanson's within 45 minutes. Yeah, it's a true New Orleans afternoon, in my opinion. That's fantastic. Okay, well, look, Chef EJ Lagasse, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's a busy time. Good luck with the rest of this restaurant opening. Thank you. Thank you so much, and, and, and hope to see you soon and cook for you. Thanks for listening. Biz Talks is brought to you by Biz New Orleans Magazine. Follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans and visit bizneworleans.com for daily news and stories.